Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. And welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 25. I'm your host, M. With me is my number one, Jackson. That's me. I'm the number one. You can say that every time I say you're my number one? That's me. I'm the number one. Okay. Yes. Uh, we're here to talk about the end of Discovery. We recorded one of these yesterday that will not go up until after this one. Probably on Friday would be my guess is when I'm going to put that up. We'll see. Yep. Sometime um, week. Uh, so we're all, uh, moving back and forth through time here. So Jackson, tell us about the final episode of Discovery, All Good Things. Uh, so Picard, uh, no, Troy and Worf. Yes, <laughs> Troy and Worf. God. Oh man, what a, what a. I miss Troy and Worf. Episode. I miss I, Troy and Worf so much. You know. Uh, so I recently rewatched Insurrection, and the the Riker Troy stuff in that movie is like ridiculously charming and good. So it's fine. I'm not actually that mad about it. Uh, I am mad in the context of it's all really good here, and then I know how it goes in Nemesis, and it's so fucking bad. It doesn't really go anywhere in Nemesis. If I like, talk about it, we have to cut it. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying that things happen. Because Destiny has not watched Nemesis yet. Uh, well, Destiny needs to watch Nemesis. You need to do that. <laughs> Complete your journey. Um, but I'm glad that when we read the books, there is like actual good old Troy uh, and Riker stuff to pull from in the movies at some point. Please enjoy. Oh, that. Yes. Does that happen? Does that yes, happen that in happens Nemesis? in Nemesis. Yes. <laughs> okay. Huh. Alright. Yeah. Nemesis is a piece of shit movie that deserves to be killed. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I like take we, it all back. We joke about the funny things in Nemesis because there's a lot of funny, awful things in Nemesis, but there's I also actually truly that. heinous shit in Nemesis. I forgot about like I remembered some of the vague context of that. Oh no. Botany yes. Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Botany Bay. Oh no wonder they killed Star Trek. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> a movie so bad it literally ended Star Trek for years, and they had to reboot the universe to get it going again. Yep, they sure did. But now we're back. It, we have recovered from Nemesis. <laughs> None of us have ever truly recovered from Nemesis. <laughs> well, you're going to inflict that on Destiny scene. That's going to be yep. good. God, and it so will not we be now good. Have but... The final episode of Star Trek Discovery, episode 15. It is called Will You Take My Hand? It aired 11th of February, 2018. The teleplay was by Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harbert's story by those two and Akiva Goldsman, and it was directed by Akiva Goldsman. Oh, it's um, almost as if this is the end of the season, so all the big guns come out. Yep. Uh, I was surprised that Akiva Goldsman was involved in this so much. Yeah. Um, but... Because some, some of the stuff he's done isn't fucking terrible, but this is yes. a very good episode. Spoilers yeah. for our takes. So. Yeah. Well. Uh... What happens in this episode? Oh, God, I have to summarize it. Yes. So, <laughs> after last week, everything is bad because the Federation are about to begin an attack on the Klingon homeworld, uh, led with information uh, that Emperor Giorgio from the Mirror Universe has provided. Um, and she is now taking command of this mission under the alias of Philippa Giorgio, as if, oh, she j we just found her. She's fine. 
Um, what happens first? First of all, she immediately says, do not refer to it as Kronos. Call it the enemy homeworld or <laughs> the Klingon homeworld or the enemy. That's it. <laughs> it is amazing how much in this first scene she is like, making sure that she's not going to hide being evil at all. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when you were she... worried that everyone's just going to apologize for her and be like, oh no, she's fine. Don't worry. We can redeem her. She is the most evil person in all of the galaxy. Well, yes. No, so I was, after the last couple of weeks, I was like, oh, this is, hmm. Like, I, I guess, I hope they're going somewhere where, like, this is a mistake to be nice to her and ever give her anything or ever le- any leeway ever. And yeah, all of that thematically comes home. All of my warriors are fine. I should have trusted them. The show's great. Because she's so <laughs> evil. Like, um, Burnham is giving a monologue about, like, you will know fear because it talks very fast uh, and very loud. And then immediately... <laughs> and then uh, Emperor uh, Giorgio she- talks very fast and very loud, like saying, basically going up to Sarah in the middle of the bridge while everyone's listening, going, "God, I used to eat you." <laughs> <laughs> yep. But Sarah is, Sarah is like, you'd find me very unappetizing. <laughs> like this is basically the equivalent of what they, their repartee is, and everyone's oblivious because they're all Starfleet, so none of this would ever enter their heads. Uh, so the mission that has been uh, uh, chosen is that. Uh, Discovery is going to do the uh, spore drive beam into the cave, but then they have to uh, launch a drone down a specific well that like connects to the volcano network on Kronos, um, which means that there has to be a landing party of an away team. Uh, and that landing party is going to be um, Burnham. Uh, you forgot the part where I'm... they have to find out what the best landing site would be first because some oh. of the volcanoes are blocked up. Yes, no, I realized I forgot, and then I was just going to organically okay. uh, go back, but now it I'm going to inorganically go back. Yes, no, because they're like, oh, we can ask the Klingon. And so they go to Laurel, and Laurel obviously is like, fuck off, I'm not telling you anything. And so Philippa Georgiou locks herself in the cell with uh, Laurel and then proceeds to beat the ever-loving shit out of her. Yeah, uh, Emperor Giorgio is fucking brutal. And Laurel just laughs and is like, if you're like this, you've already lost. And uh, Burnham's like, okay, we have another option. We can ask Ash Tyler. And so they go to Ash Tyler, and Giorgio immediately is like, oh, this half-breed. The Klingons don't want him. The Federation doesn't want him. No wonder he's just sitting here moping. And he's like, I mean, yes, but I'm actually clearly very useful because I have all, literally all these memories of this very important Klingon. And uh, I'm willing to help you, like, no questions <laughs> asked. Yep. Uh... And so he does, and he tells them, "Hey, I here's where you want to land. It is the, this is the site you want. It is a shrine, uh, so we would need to get access to the shrine to in order to get there." Yes, it was a shrine to Molor, but they've also just sublet it as like an Orion encampment. <laughs> yeah, well, they land near it in an Orion encampment. Yeah. like the land around it is Orion, so they don't know where the exact shrine is, like the entrance to it. What um, are the Klingons doing? They just let Orions like set up an entire like tent city around the, one of their shrines. I mean, so I guess it's Molor, so nobody cares. So we'll we'll get to that because they go on. So they go on the away mission, and uh, everyone is about to go on the away mission. Obviously, Burnham, Tyler, and Giorgio, and Tilly. She picks Tilly because yes. Burn, <laughs> she, because Emperor Giorgio literally exists to fuck with people like when she's beating up Laurel, it's not really to get information it's just to make michael watch her so beat yes, up someone he, she brings tilly in and then goes oh tilly and uh, tilly not tilly's knowing like, who this is is like oh i'm so happy to be working with you i've heard so many things and she's like oh we've worked together many times before we sacked beta z together and tilly's like uh this is yeah. the evil one right and then immediately like burnham's like yes it's the evil one it's like because, a ridiculous like Sorkin moment where she's like, "Wait, is this? Yes, yes, it is. No, no, okay." <laughs> yeah, Tilly Everyone is beautiful. 
I saw people saying that it was weird that Tilly wouldn't like immediately put this together, as if Tilly's whole thing isn't being the most trusting and hopeful person. Yeah, but also the minute she's given any information to put it together, she does. Yep, yeah, no, like she. It, I was worried that it would like. She's not a bridge officer. She didn't even see the exchanges earlier in the episode. All she knows is that Michael has talked about Georgie over and over and over again and is basically there to big up her best friend um they change into evil clothes yeah she's like put on some clothes and they all dress in leather and they all look cool now and tilly straightened her hair (laughs) it's because uh george is like oh your hair sucks like this and and tilly's like yeah i know in a way it's like yeah shut up shut up yeah because because her mom is totally that person and also evil tilly had straight hair so she just goes back to that flat iron i guess Multiple takes I saw that this was, like, the show saying that her hair's bad? Like, No! <laughs> the, the opinion is that people who say her curly hair is bad are evil people. That is literally the stated text of the show. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's good. Anyway, the scene where they walk to the away mission is actually, like, really good. Because you get this awkward moment of everyone walking together, um... And, uh... It's very, like, cool guys walk away from explosions of them. Yeah, but then, like, Burnham and Ash are walking together, like, not really knowing what to do with each other, because they're all in this very awkward space uh, yes. with how everything has gone. And Tilly, like, walks between uh, Burnham yes. and, then and it, yeah, it instantly becomes, like, a junior high relationship drama. And it's so good. <laughs> it's like, the one, like, of, no lines, but the shot of her walking in between them and then giving Burnham a look is like, hey, I'm here to mediate this. Everything's gonna be fine. We'll get through this. Uh, Anyway, they beam down. uh, Well, Stamets, I guess, (laughs) uh, Black Alert uh, Spore drives them into a cave. It's really Uh, goddamn cool. It's Yes, it's so cool. There's like a moment where they all have to stabilize the ship. They do it. They beam into this Ryan encampment and go about getting some information. This involves a lot of things. One, it involves the fact that we get a cool, ridiculous, like, seedy Orion encampment, um, which does not look like what... Kronos has looked like before, but that's it's not so, traditional Chrono- Klingon. Kronos itself is really interesting because, like, it's green. <laughs> like, it has green clouds. That's Kronos is like the red matte painting of the temple that is in every Star Trek episode that deals with Kronos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one red matte painting. But now, like, you like it's still like kind of a volcanic planet that cl- clearly kind of sucks sometimes. But um, I don't know. Like, I like the idea that there is much more diversity of what Kronos is than we have seen previously. Because like also- Vulcan is just a desert planet. Andor is seemingly just an ice planet. I like that Kronos has, like, jungles and volcanic areas and big cities and stuff. Yep. Like, the redesign of Kronos is, like, the way it looks and not just a big red bull. It makes it just seem more ashen to me yes. in terms of its uh, volcanic uh, nature. Yeah. I assume um, the green clouds might imply, like, some sort of sulfur content then. Yeah, right? That makes sense. Yeah, no. Like, they say that. Like, someone... <laughs> yep. No, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. So <laughs> so you have, basically, like, the place they go on Broken Bow, where it's just, like, a cavalcade yes. of aliens and yes. ridiculous advertisements and people selling space whale meat and fried up ear slugs from Wrath of Khan and Tilly all the cool some space whale. <laughs> yep. But you totally noticed those brain slugs, I assume, the Seti yeah. Alpha ones. Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> Oh, what a what a, what a ridiculous show! And uh, the, and there's a bunch of Orions, and weirdly, like this is the first time the Orions kind of look cool because they don't do a whole lot to like make them look like makeup. They just, I it almost looks like they digitally green them up instead of doing it with makeup this time. Yeah, they don't look like they're green painted, and especially with like the light they're in, like it, they yeah. look. Especially, so there's a scene where they walk into this like bar, uh, and the Orions are doing their strip dancing. But this time, there's Orion men. Um, yes. 
which is uh, the thing that they do. Which, moving on from Enterprise, where the canon <laughs> was introduced, that it's actually the slave girls who are in charge of the Orion Empire. Yes, clearly this show does not give <laughs> that, a fuck about that. Oh, thank, that I mean, might, no one does. That, that is maybe tied for the worst episode of Star Trek with Code of Honor, is that fucking Enterprise Orion episode. And the fact that it comes like 20 years later is yes. like just mind-boggling, considering it's bad on the same awful level. Oh. Yep. And so, uh, so when they first get there, they sell a bunch of weapons out of Lorca's like, death room. Uh, they sell yes. all those Noskin pistols that uh, Mud used to disintegrate him slowly in that episode. Because... Uh, because George is like, we need something to trade, and you're the Federation, so you got jack shit. Let's see what Lorca found. <laughs> you know? um, and so they have a bunch of money, and they go into the strip club, and then her and Tilly sit down, and then she basically hands a bunch of money to Burnham and Ash and says, go find information your own way. And then she's watching the dancing girls, and she's like, I would like to hire you, talking to this lady and this man. And Tilly's like, no, 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 I don't need anyone. And... Uh, uh, Philip George is like, no, neither of these are for you, and then walks away with the guys. Bisexuality being a side effect of being in the mirror universe confirmed. It's confirmed. You are evil and horny and bi all the time. Unless you're Paul Stamets, in which case it makes you incredibly straight. Just like this was never textually mentioned, but it is true. It is canon yeah, from here no, on Absolutely. Out. Let it be known. <laughs> yep. And you could uh-huh. say, yes, the mirror universe evil bisexual trope is bad and problematic, and you're not wrong, but also it's amazing. <laughs> but also, like, it's old enough to the point where things building on that... To, when you're building on a thing that is old and problematic, it is less bad to me than, like, something that just introduces that today. Yes. Like, but also, like, Philippa Giorgio is a cartoon camp villain because she eats Kelpians. Like, this is fine. I'm not really that concerned about it. Yeah, no, no one maybe, no one believes this as the bad representation, I feel like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, God, man, good. I'm glad that with all the discourses that came up about the mirror universe and everything this season, that was not one. Thank God, a bullet dodged. Yep. Um, so they go split up. Uh, Ash and um, Burnham are gathering information, and Ash is like, "Well, I'd know Klingon because I have all of Vox memories. I'm yep. gonna go. And, I'm gonna go um, play Klingon Domjot." <laughs> and what he does is he like immediately starts talking to them. They're like, "Hey, are you a Federation spy?" And then he's like, "No, get fucked." But he's speaking in Klingon, saying, "No, get fucked. I'm here to beat your ass at this game." Uh, and he does say he says "owned" in Klingon when he wins. Yeah, <laughs> there is a screen cap of him going "victory owned." Yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> Yo. Uh, and uh, then they're like laughing as this this uh in the scene of the camaraderie of these Klingons and he's like integrated himself so well and Burnham's like having PTSD flashbacks at this as she's seeing uh all this happen and it's it's a lot. So she so she walks out and goes into a tattoo parlor, which tattoos in Star Trek are cool because they like respond to your touch and like grow and change and stuff. Yeah. Um and she's there when Ash catches up to her and he's like, Well, I didn't really get any information. He does not confirm or deny whether or not he cleaned out those Klingons. I assume he cleaned them out. He cleaned them uh, out. Because <laughs> his whole thing is like Vok thought, thought himself a good gambler. He The numbers always came his way. He assumed that it was the luck he didn't have in life that helped him out here. And then him and Burnham have this thing. He's like, why are you so upset? And she's, she tells the story about how the Klingons killed her parents. Those Klingon bastards, they killed her parents. <laughs> <laughs> they sure did. And he's like, oh, no wonder you hate them. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I don't hate them. I, I, my gut is afraid of them, but I look at this planet and all I see are just people living their lives. There's like Klingons like doing toasts and laughing and there's people getting tattoos and there's Orion just selling stuff and bartering and just doing the things people do in the world. And she's like, that, that makes this so much harder, uh, to deal with. Um, 
and uh, then Ash looks at these two Klingons doing a toast. He's like, oh, they're leaving one uh, a flaming drink there. That's for Molor. Maybe they worship Molor. I should go talk to them, which drives them towards the thing where the rest of the plot happens. Meanwhile. <laughs> Meanwhile. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about that scene later because it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole uh, thing. Yeah. We'll finish the summary first. Uh, meanwhile, um, Tilly is getting high. <laughs> With Clint Howard as an Orion. Clint Howard's here. He is like, just he... Clint Howard, but green. Like, that's literally all he is. <laughs> like you can't at some point they're gonna have to have jeffrey coombs uh but i'll take clint howard for now yes and he gets her high and then tries to steal her stuff <laughs> <laughs> and he tried like he gets a high and you're like oh is this gonna go somewhere and he's gonna steal the stuff well, but, like, so he offers to get her high and she's like no thanks and he's like well get out of here you cop and she's like no 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 i'll inhale don't worry about it <laughs> And then she immediately falls asleep, and then he's, like, c- trying to cut the, the case with contained the drone off her arm. Yes. Um, and then she's like, wait, what are you doing? And she wakes up, and she's like, ah, you were asleep, I'm Orion, it's fine. <laughs> and then she, like, the case is, like, open, so she looks at it and realizes it's not a drone, it's a hydro bomb. Well, no, because he tells her, uh, the volcanoes haven't been dormant, they're, they're not dormant at all, they're they're not dormant and she's like yes. well, how's the how's if they're not dormant how's the drone gonna oh yes. shit yeah it's <laughs> a hydro it bomb it's a hydro bomb so she um, calls burnham and is like it's a hydro bomb and it, i think it's ash Tyler who's like what's a hydro bomb and she's like it, it will vaporize all uh it'll instantly turn all water to steam and basically cause like a cataclysmic environmental explosion that will destroy a large part of chronos and what isn't destroyed will be made uninhabitable as like a volcanic winter settles over the planet for the next hundreds if not thousands of years yeah she's basically gonna gonna trigger all of the volcanoes on chronos at once uh and then she punches out tilly like hey yeah who so are you telling yeah, about my the minute plan? she's talking she's like uh a hydro bomb is and uh georgie appears in front of tilly and says what hydro bomb and then like punches her in the face <laughs> i i feel like she doesn't punch her like she gives her the flat palm and yeah she gives her down. like the like yes yes it is good it is pretty good uh at which point the entire episode has to become a quest to stop oh we forgot we forgot the scene where georgiou with the orions that she's having sex yes. with they're like we learned so much from you and we we we, we regret having to charge you but we have to charge you <laughs> it's yeah, no, very goofy like, regret having to charge you and the guy's like but obviously we're gonna like this is yep. our job you can get fucked at which point she then like uh does some moves and puts a gun on them it's like actually tell me where the shrine is yeah um, so everyone knows where the shrine is and they get to the shrine or it's what is it it's burnham so, and so the way it goes is that um georgia gets the shrine uh and is like putting putting the bomb down as burnham has gone the problem isn't georgia this is what her orders were all along yes so she right. beans back to discovery and t- calls up cornwall like is this true did you give the green light on this plan and then give it to the terran emperor <laughs> And Cornwall's like, look, it's war. Terrible things have to be done. And Burnham is like, no, no, no. This whole thing started because I thought terrible things had to be done. And it's a mistake. We don't have to be this way. We're goddamn Starfleet. Yep. And everyone stands up on the bridge. Yes. And she's like, we will all mutiny to make sure that we continue to uphold the ideals of Starfleet. And it's very good and pure. (laughs) Yep. And so she beams back down and confronts uh, Mira Georgia, who has put the bomb in the thing. And the bomb is ready to go. At any time, you could destroy Kronos. The bomb is in place. Uh, she pulls a gun on her and is like, hey. Uh, she doesn't pull a gun. I think Georgia pulls a gun. But anyway, the confrontation no, is No, such- Burnham pulls... The, uh, 
yeah, Georgia pulls she the gun, and then Burnham's the like, yes. and like, if you want to get out of here, you have to kill me. Yes, you but Burnham's like, Burnham's like, like, I've already got your freedom. You don't have to detonate this bomb. Just leave. Just don't start shit and leave. And you can be free. You can enjoy this galaxy. We won't come after you as long as you are not a horrible Terran emperor in this universe, which, no, like, you know, probably a bad thing to ask the Terran emperor to not like, be. She'll go be a criminal, but <laughs> yeah. assuming without her influence, she can't actually fuck up the whole universe. Yeah. Uh, go away. We'll let you do that. And the whole thing comes down to like asking uh Giorgio, like, you don't actually care about this, and we don't want this to happen. And Giorgio eventually is like, Giorgio, oh, you're right. well, no, the best part is Giorgio's like, I did this for you, Michael Burnham. Like, you might not be my daughter, but you're close enough, and I see so much in you, and I wanted to make sure you didn't have to live making these awful choices. And Burnham's like, I don't believe a word of this. And Giorgio shrugs, is like, well, it was worth a shot. <laughs> She's like, you're not like my you're not like my Giorgio at all. And she's like, Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Uh, which is great because all the stuff that's like been going through these last episodes and me going hmm they completely admit and it all comes out uh, the way you would want it to and Georgia eventually just throws her the bomb like well I guess do what you want I'm leaving I don't care yeah and she's like do you think the bomb's gonna be any safer in your hands and Ash Tyler shows up at this point and he's like yeah I mean like if you give it to Starfleet they could just still have the bomb how is this gonna stop the war and Burnham's like well we can give it to someone who isn't Starfleet <laughs> Yes, and so they bring in Laurel and code the bomb to her voice print, and they say, or biometric data. Also, I think the implication is if something happens to her, it will go off. Also, okay, oh right, because that's how the that's yes. the threat of the don't right. Yep. Um, and so what Laurel uh, vows to do is to take the bomb and stop the war with it, and say basically, hey, we started this war under Takuma's banner in order to unite the Klingon Federation. Or the Klingon Empire, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> bad word choice. Uh, in so doing, we've continued this war, but we are completely fractured. 24 houses just attacking no one. And then, like, this war will not save us. We will rip ourselves apart. And this has to stop. And she goes just into this massive chamber on Kronos and gives this threat to the entire Klingon Empire, like all the leaders of the houses, and they're like laughing at her. And she pulls out this bomb and is like, I've got a bomb. Either we destroy ourselves right now and get this over with, or we can unite again and like work towards being Klingons once more. And it's so cool. Uh, meanwhile, Ash Tyler and Burnham are having a quiet moment as Ash Tyler says his goodbyes. Yes, Ash Tyler's like, I've done so much. And I want to help, but I can't be on the Discovery uh, because it's just weird. And I I can't, like, I have to find what I can do. And he has learned through this mission that what he can do is be a bridge between the Klingons and humans in a way that even if, like, he can't be in this place with the people that he has grown to love, uh, he can make the galaxy a much better place. So he decides to stay with Laurel on Kronos and work towards rebuilding the Klingon Empire into something uh, that won't be murdering the entire universe every five minutes. Uh, which is very sweet and very cool. And so him and Laurel walk off and get beamed up and then Laurel makes her speech. And then Burnham talks about how every civilization has to have a moment where they ask themselves if they're going to like be better than they were before. Uh, Vulcans did it. Humans did it. Tellarites and Andorians did it. And now Klingons have done it. Yep. And she is at Starfleet Command in Paris on Earth. A yes, beautiful city of flying <laughs> cars and skyscrapers in the night. 
So there's a fantastic shot where it zooms in from space of Earth. It goes past the spaceships. It goes through the clouds and you reach Paris and it's just amazing cityscape. And it zooms in and it zooms in and then you're on a parking lot. Yes. <laughs> and they're just standing there in just like the, the plaza of some place that's like outside Toronto or wherever they're filming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. But like... I say that not as like a way to dunk on it. I actually think making Earth just feel like Earth is really nice. Yes. Because uh, it's so rare. Because you were talking in the Discord about how like Earth is usually just a backdrop of the um, Golden Gate Golden Bridge. Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. Uh, like that one shot of the Golden Gate Bridge is used so many times. And everything just kind of feels like, everything feels like a park right. where you're not allowed to step on the grass. Like all the yes. time. That's just what yeah. Earth feels like in that century. And to just have a place that feels like, uh, like not that different than our Earth. Yeah, it's 200 years later, and it's like a lot nicer now. But not a whole lot's changed. People are still people. Um, and she's talking. So, so there's a big award ceremony. Everyone gets a medal. Yes. Uh, and she says, everyone needs to be better. We need to go. Uh, like, we are Starfleet. We have interrogated our values and come out stronger. Don't worry. Everyone who complained about the season got everything they wanted how do you feel now? They probably everyone got a medal, including Dr. Kolber, who is given one in his absence, and yes. uh, Stamets is holding it, and it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. And Cadet Tilly is now Command Track Ensign Tilly. Yes, we finally have an ensign. <laughs> you know, um, which is very good. Captain Tilly coming at you in two more seasons. Oh, with the rate this show moves. <laughs> uh, so. She's talking to Sarek, and Sarek calls her his daughter, and it's very sweet, and I cried. Uh, as Sarek is he talk, like, he, 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 she talks to Amanda for a bit, too. Yeah, she talks to Amanda for good. a bit. Uh, and they're both there, and they like uh, reaffirm their familial bonds, and Sarek says, I am proud of you, in a way that's like, I am very logically impressed with what you have done. <laughs> and she's like, I understand that you tried to genocide Kronos, and it was the wrong call, but at least you know it's the wrong call. <laughs> yeah like uh, yes so then they leave for vulcan sarak is coming with them to go to vulcan and to pick up their new captain who the new captain is we do not know as they warp to vulcan and uh sarak gives the orders because he wants to say take us they home. don't they don't have they're not using the spore drive because while stamets can use it starfleet really wants them to find someone who is not a human to plug into the thing to make it go yes i they're like yes letting a human use these weird spore powers is probably a bad idea so why don't you just use warp speed for now and like this is not like I'm sure they'll use it again in an emergency. It's not. A lot of people interpreted this as like the reason why the spore drive isn't used again. And no, they'll get to that. That that's just we're gonna use warp drive for now while there's no emergencies on. Yes. Um. So they they go at warp speed. They head to Vulcan. At which point, who could there be but a distress signal? And they're the only ship in range. Uh, they try to identify the distress signal. Um, the transmission is coming in, but it's all corrupted. And someone says, it's Captain Pike, sir. It's the Enterprise. Uh, and in flies in the final shot of the show as the fanfare plays a beautiful, like, slightly not, tweaked... Not the fanfare, the original series theme fanfare. Well, no, that plays over the credits. All right. So okay, the fanfare plays as the Enterprise flies in and the series ends and cuts to black on this fantastic shot of the Discovery and the Enterprise nose to nose. Uh, and it's everything you ever wanted. And then it cuts to credits as the original series theme plays. 
It's fucking good. <laughs> the Enterprise is so beautiful. <laughs> I know. So, okay, first things. Yes, there is a big uh, screen on the Enterprise. There is a window. Yes, there's a window on the Enterprise, which is not canon until now, I guess. Yes. Also, that Enterprise is like got new nacelles that are much similar to the refit Enterprise and has a lot more lights and stuff. Like, clearly they updated the ship, which is fine. You need yes. to. Otherwise, it would look super weird. Uh, no, they've like it looks. It both looks like the Enterprise and fits in with the Discovery universe. Like they have done a good job at this design. Yeah. Um, but no, the episode was fantastic. The ending was incredible. It brought like the season is basically held together with string, and it's a huge yes. mess. But the way it all comes together made me very happy. Unsurprisingly, the takeaway from a season of Star Trek that's trying to tell a story over a whole season is if you can talk to people about your differences and work through them, maybe we can all be better people on the other side. Guess what? It's fucking Star Trek. So a lot of the discussion around this, I've been going through like reviews and seeing what the reactions are, and it's not been as positive as I expected considering how good I thought it was. And um, everyone we know really loved it. So Everyone we know loved it, but the like opinion is like oh the series has been too dark and then they tried to have this hopeful ending like what like this doesn't make any sense they didn't address any of the things why are all these people who did bad things just allowed to be forgiven for them and i'm like yes i i get it like i get it it's i don't get it <laughs> well no i get that it's like kind of messy for uh burnham to go weird that you tried to do a genocide anyway it's fine like i understand in isolation why that's messy but in the context of like the show as a whole moving really fast as a big like uh showy uh prestige series on this network and whatever and so you have to fit that into like this amount of time it like the themes of it hold true and work really well like every single character in this show has done a war crime like it's really bad and the whole but point all... of the show is that they have to like acknowledge this and move forward stronger no one is let off the hook i don't understand why people think people are let off the hook here but also at the end of the day all these people have are each other like yes Sarek will still be her father he will still be one of the like top diplomats of starfleet regardless of what happens so for her to say what you did was wrong and i made sure to stop it and him to say thank you you made the right call that is like the core of what star trek is yes uh it's I, really good like for all of the uh like everything was too dark they started this show saying we wanted to show how you get from people you understand to the star trek that was shown in the 60s and we're going to try to do it in 15 episodes and it's going to be hard but we're going to give it a shot and they do a pretty decent job given how much ground that has to cover considering that not only do they do that but they also like go to the mirror universe for a bit and have a, have to have like a twist every 45 minutes yes like Considering the what this show needs to accomplish and how much time it had to do that in and the amount of like masters it had to please with like being a big CBS showy show that got pitched as like Game of Thrones but Star Trek. Like a million executives was just saying that to them all the yep. time and they had to make it. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it came together in this way is like it couldn't have ended any other way and they were saying it's going to end this way like from day one. I don't know why anyone doubted them but I'm so glad that it did come together like this. Yeah. Like at the end of the day speeches are made nobody has to die because you can talk people into like some sort of detente where no one fights mm -hmm. and that's like the heart of star trek yes understanding makes everyone better 
it's really good it's it's everything i wanted it's it, star trek's back i hope it never yeah. ends and some people are like really like down on that like i saw people saying or you you linked to something in the discord it was like they should have just mutinied and gone off and explored space on their own and like i guess that's an option if you're not making star trek because at the end of the day take it or leave it and you know i understand having critiques and we'll talk about that. star trek is about people like the belief that good people with good intentions can create good organizations that cause good in the world Yes. That's what Star Trek is. Like, without that premise, you don't have Star Trek. Like, and I, I can, okay, I, so I, I understand critiques of that saying that, like, even good intentions can, like, have to have winners and losers. Like, there's a lot of, like, colonialist critique of Star Trek. Our friend Dia uh, talks a lot of, like, enjoys Star Trek, but doesn't actually like the thing Star Trek's about because, uh, you know, the way is in which Star Trek is like, oh, there's a good organization almost always leave someone falling through the cracks. And I get that as a critique. I understand if that's your thing, but if your actual answer is all, oh, they should have been like cool heroes and flied off and been a firefly. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the thing is the what people, a lot of one of the critiques that I saw wanted, but like surely these things, these critiques of the Federation mean that therefore the Federation is inherently like without salvaging and that our heroes should have abandoned it. And that's like, just not start like, DS9 is full of critiques of the Federation. Like, this, this Star Trek has been built on interrogating what the fuck it actually means for 50 years. Yeah, like, like y you get down to, like, uh, um, what's the one with uh, Baylock? What's the episode? Corbinite Maneuver. Yeah, Corbinite Maneuver. Like, the premise of that is everyone on the ship saying, we, oh, we escaped that enemy and now he's damaged, we won, and Kirk going, no, we have to go back and help him. That's who we are. Like, we help our enemies when, we, when they show weakness. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, like, DS9 does a lot of this as well, but DS9 also, like, the Federation are not shown as the capitals, the bad guys, yeah. right? Like, yep. the Federation are a, uh, a institution in the galaxy that is not necessarily 100% a force for good. They are, like, fighting a galactic war to save everyone while also, like, eliminating a bunch of McKee colonists. Yes. Uh, or, like, like, and those two things just exist together, and dealing with that... Um, you know, dealing with that uh, dissonance is, like, part of that show and the themes of it. But Star Trek would never, like, say, and therefore the answer is to abandon this whole project and start because again. Because what, what is, it, like, abandonment, it, like, that might be cool for your, like, space fiction where you're flying around being cool, like, explorers on your own. But that doesn't say anything about, like, the state of humanity. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, or, like, Star Trek is a metaphor for people living now. And it always has been. And it's always a thing to look at and interrogate yourself. Like, how do I act within the structures that exist in my world? Are those structures good? How can I better them? And even if I don't believe in them and I want them to fall apart, what else is there? Because there isn't anything. Like, you can go off and live in the woods, I guess. But that's not a solution. That's just taking yourself out of the problem. Yeah. And so, like, I get it. I understand people, like, not... Like, Star Trek isn't for everyone. And a lot of us... Uh, a, a lot of, like, tension in this comes from, like, whether people want Star Trek, whether people want more, uh, like, pointed political critiques uh, and have you. But, I don't know, I want the, I want there to be a series where people are able to come into a room and talk to each other and figure out what to do. Like, that is always what Star Trek has been about. It has been a mor morality play about trying to understand each other from day one as everything else changes around it. Um, and I... And I don't understand uh, being disappointed in that, considering that's just what Star Trek is. Yeah. we They got to the optimistic future, and it seems unlikely because we're all conditioned to believe in the pessimism of all of the sci-fi that surrounds us at every moment. 
whether it's fiction or just like the actual life we live in that yeah. is increasingly just a dystopia. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, but we still got to hold on to the ones that choose to go the other way and say, no, things can be all right if we just talk it out and believe in it. Yep. Because I think it's important that like a discovery isn't, you know, it's not saying the Federation is perfect at the end of this. Yeah, no. Every single, every single person in this show does a war crime at a point. That happens to all the characters because that's what happens in war. Like it's Also, it, we're all really excited for them to like turn on the V screen and talk to the other ship that is all white people from the 60s. Yes. Like it's it's weird. It's a weird mess. Yeah. Um and it, like barely holds together sometimes, but I am I'm so happy that they're like reaching for it in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very excited for what season two is going to be. Well, okay. So before we talk about season two, there's a couple more things just to go through with this episode. Uh, I really liked all the stuff with Ash this week. I after last week, not really knowing what they were going to, what they, how they were going to handle it. I feel like they landed on something very good. Uh, yeah, I continue to like Ash Tyler. I it is it is inexplicable because I did not think that was going to be how this broke. Like in the like episode <laughs> yes! five, but here we are. No, Ash Tyler's great. Like him. Like, talking to those Klingons and immediately being able to, like, bridge that gap was, like, so cool, even as Burnham's, like, reaction to it and being horrified was just as valid. Like, the fact that you get this moment of seeing someone who can actually bridge the gap because of, like, unfortunate circumstances placed upon him, but has this ability to do this is, like, really good to see in action, uh, and I like it a lot. Yep. Uh... Yes, and his like final scene with Burnham is just excellent. Yeah, no, it's really good. I'm very excited to run into Laurel and Ash a couple times every season as long as this show goes on. Yeah, like because the Klingons are not going to be the focus from this point on. Like they are pretty much where they were in TOS, where like they don't like the humans and they're dealing with their own stuff, and they'll come and like have a you know property dispute every so often. Yep. Uh, until uh, the Praxis and uh, relationships can thaw, then. Uh, but no, so what else do we have less? Do we have any season two predictions? Uh, well, so we, interestingly, yes. so after Trek happened and I didn't watch it, but people actually watched this one and so reported back. And apparently the producers are very clear that the green thing landing on Tilly's shoulder from the spores means something. Okay, so that did mean something. That wasn't just a shot. <laughs> yes, they teased like, oh, remember that thing that landed on Tilly? Maybe that's something we'll pick back up. I do. Well, so a lot of the hints were like, let me find this one uh, Kurtzman quote. Uh, so when asked about um, what the Enterprise thing meant, like the Enterprise being there, they were like, oh, now the Enterprise is there. What does this mean for the show? And he gave, like, the most non-answer of, we haven't written the scripts yet. That was like, the show is called Discovery. It's not Enterprise. So, yes, the Enterprise will play a part of season two, but it will absolutely not overshadow Discovery. And I think with the Enterprise's arrival in the finale, we recognize that the audience has a lot of questions about our synchronicity with the original series, which really means synchronicity with canon. So the promise of the Enterprise holds the answers to a lot of these questions, including Spock's relationship with his half-sister, who he's never mentioned, which does not necessarily mean you're going to see Spock. Just that we owe an answer to that question. <laughs> yes uh, so, i mean spock didn't mention his father until his father showed up and made himself known so it's not Sp- like spock is like normally all chatty about his past cyborg <laughs> uh yeah no spock has another brother an actual blood brother there that are shows- people who are 
probably listening to the show who have been watching a bunch of Star Trek who probably don't even know Cyborg exists. Yeah, no, Spock has a brother. You meet him in the Star Trek movies. It's a bad movie. Cyborg yeah. is the character that most... It's Cyborg and Tasha Yar slash Sela are the characters who most need to be fixed by someone going in and remaking some of this stuff. Oh, I'm sure we'll get to a Cyborg book. You know we will. Uh, who knows? I don't know if that's true. Uh, what are you talking about? I no one wants to dwell on Cyborg. That's like dwelling on Shinzon. Like nobody wants. There's this. gonna be dwelling on Shinzon. There's enough. Space no, there for will all not be. Are you kidding me? No, there will not be. Any everything, everything gets dwelled. I on. guarantee there is nothing that is not a marketed tie-in to Nemesis that dwells on Shinzon one day. All right, all right. Well, we'll see. I guess. Um. Uh, so, the Enterprise becoming is. I've seen like people wondering does this mean that we're going to pick up from this point is this a cliffhanger i am fairly convinced that absolutely not it's like it's just the ending of the movie uh, yeah the show. they did they made this not thinking they would might not get a second season so they ended on a, a showstopper you know like this is the thing yeah like i don't think episode one of season two is oh and then they have to fix whatever's wrong with the enterprise like it'll just you know be the new captain will be there there'll be a new status quo and we'll be set up for that and then the new plot will happen Mm-hmm. Uh, is my prediction um i who do you so who do you think the captain's gonna be like i know we i not a character we know but what considering they have said it is a new character what do you think that means so i mean they're going to vulcan it's a vulcan yeah, yeah so it's definitely a vulcan which is going to be interesting yeah uh, i don't i don't i don't know i don't like i thought it was just going to be saru yeah i guess not because everyone calls him Captain all the time. He has to be, like, he has to go, I'm actually just an acting captain, yes, guys. but the minute, the minute where they gave everyone promotions, they definitely did not give him one. They definitely did not. They could yes. have, but they chose not to. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the new captain is. Of course, um, even if they're getting a new captain, that captain is clearly marked immediately as the most expendable character on this show. It depends who they cast, right? Yeah. Okay. The bigger the name they cast, the more expendable that captain is. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, it could be anyone. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah. I guess the other thing that everyone has been talking about is what do you, do you think they can... Assuming the Enterprise actually is in some episodes, what happens for casting there? Well, so it's Pike's Enterprise, which means Pike's you're looking Enterprise. at the cage, which means there is Jeffrey Hunter playing Christopher Pike, there is uh, Machel Barrett playing number one, and there's Leonard Nimoy playing Spock, and then a bunch of people who do not matter. Yes. Literally so do all, not matter, and you could recast all of them and replace them with anyone. So all you need, is, like, number one is easy, and obviously there's no, like, analog. You just need to get someone who is striking and cool. Uh yes. You already have a someone that is cast as Spock that everyone likes, and he's not doing anything right now, really, because they aren't making Star Trek movies. So just pay the money for Zachary Quinto. And Christopher Pike is basically the most stuffed shirt, steely-eyed missile man captain possible. You could hire anyone in Hollywood, and it could be Christopher Pike. I wouldn't care. <laughs> anyone, like, over 45, they're Christopher yeah. Pike. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. and you don't even have to be that old. Anyone above, like, 35, and I'll believe it. I don't care. Okay. Christopher Pike looks such like a dude in the way that like actors now don't. Like Christopher yes. Pike is just some fucking guy. <laughs> yes. In a way that I just don't think of when I think of like actors on TV. Yeah, no, no. You definitely need to get a guy who looks very military. Uh, there's like a certain like, he definitely looks like someone who should be a cowboy or like flying a fighter jet or something about him. 
Uh, the other thing we did was the so we first off rewatched that scene to make sure like is there an uh, Enterprise. Uh, is there like a view screen on the Enterprise? Because yes. there's dumb things about where the turbo lift is. Yes. Um, and there is a view screen, but if we see the set, and what, how will they like redesign it? Will they make the new Enterprise like? How will they make it look? And then we went and looked at the original Enterprise and thought, hang on, if you just like make the lights twenty percent more blue and replace the screens with the new screens, this still works. Yeah, it still works unsurprisingly the original star trek's aesthetic is so strong you don't need to do a whole lot to it yeah i i would love i would love to try to see them like merge those two looks uh but Mm -hmm. i'm also fine if they just like let the enterprise go away yeah um the moment where the enterprise shows up and both sarek and burnham look at each other like fuck yes (laughs) pretty neither neither of them want to talk to spock and who can blame them spock (laughs) yep uh Saru and number one, already best friends. Yeah, no, that's established canon. Established canon, yeah. They've been friends for like like two years at this point, so don't worry about it. I uh, guess that was only two years ago. In the, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so much has happened. Yeah. Uh, well... Do we have we have a couple of comments and emails, right? So so we have there's one more thing they said about season two, oh, yes. which is it is the next part of the Stamets arc. <laughs> which means something uh which means that man is going to commune with some fucking mushrooms (laughs) and he's probably going to fall in love again it might be with his uh boyfriend back from the dead who can say yeah we'll see yeah uh i'm really glad that he is there to be this like central character as the most ridiculous character in all of star trek i think aside from tilly maybe we we um uh, we love him, and they said like, "Oh, we see Stamets as like the core of this show, which is really nice because he's not always been that." But I, I like a version of that show where that's true, considering mm-hmm. that like the promise of this finale, the promise of like the way um, this episode and the episodes before it have gone introduce more of the bridge crew into like actual like relevant scenes. Like they want to make the ship feel like a ship of people you all know. Like, yep. the bridge crew are going to have more to do. They will probably get, like, character beats next season. Yeah. Uh, as the focus is less on, like, Burnham's one story. Yep. Uh, which is very exciting to me, because I'm, I'm glad we just have a Star Trek ship now. Like, I know everyone on the bridge now. Yeah. And I know which one of them is number one? That's my question. We I mean, go Sarah immediately is, back to this question. Sarah's number one. Uh, she outranked him before she was stripped of her rank, and it's been reestablished. Sarah, she is not number one. Sarah is number one. <laughs> I we'll feel see. like no. Okay, if they make her number one again, hmm, I don't like that initially. Like I'll obviously considering how the season ended, like I will trust them with whatever they're going to do. I mean, whatever. I think Sarah's going to be captain before the end of next season. So, I yes, I expected it now. I like they've done so much work to make Sarah feel like the dad of this crew. Like Burnham feels very important to all the missions, but she's not at the top of the crew like she doesn't matter to everyone in the same way that saru does like yeah saru and tilly were like the people that led the crew through the mirror universe while burnham was off doing her thing like mm-hmm. they look up to those two in a way that they can't for burnham yeah like she's still an outsider marked by like all the way that ash tyler stuff fell yeah i don't know i i feel like her status is being kind of the entire war is her fault like straight up <laughs> yeah like still <laughs> yes um so we'll see it all depends who the new captain is. I hope it's someone very cool. I hope they don't yeah. die immediately. Or they do die immediately. <laughs> One of those. One of those. 
So we, we, we got had, a couple we had, emails. Yeah, we had one email, unless we got another one I didn't see. Oh, we got some questions on the Discord and stuff. Okay, I will do the email then. We got an email from Hunter that says, Does any of the characters in Discovery rank among your favorite Trek characters now? And what was your favorite Tilly moment of the season? Oh, God, that's really hard. I, I mean, like, Tilly is all, is up there. Burnham is the best Star Trek character with the least amount of screen time. Like, straight up, this is unquestionable just in terms of the development that is done and the work that she gets to do because no other Star Trek has had this much stuff this quickly. Uh... But it's Tilly. Uh, I would probably say it's Stamets. Uh, yeah. No, like... With with Burnham a very close second, only mm-hmm. because I'm really interested to see what they do with her now that, like, the war stuff is mostly wrapped up. Yeah. No, I like, they have multiple choices, right? They can come up with something new, or they can, like, push her slightly into the background. Yeah. I like Tilly, answer. but Tilly is... Uh, is I, she doesn't feel quite in, like they need to give her like actual stories that are not around her being like delightful for me to like <laughs> invest in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Tilly, you're right about that. Like Tilly doesn't have anything as good as that scene uh, with Kalba and Stamets in like the mycelial network listening to the opera. Yeah, like that scene still just chokes me up thinking about it. Uh, favorite Tilly moment, Jackson? Oh, I have no idea. There's so many good ones. Uh, I have two, and uh, I we've shouted them out multiple times. One is, this is fucking cool. This is fucking cool is cool. And that she went and helped Burnham analyze that space wheel in her party dress, stone drunk. That might actually be the best one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the purest Tilly. Yep, absolutely. Like, best moment is probably her trying to bring back Stamets while everyone else has given up on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the most Tilly moment. That opening where her and Burnham are jogging through the ship is also very strong. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Yes. Um, Ryan has a question from the Discord, which is just, what do you want to see in season two? What do you want the captain to be? Do you want actual Enterprise? Do you want actual Enterprise episodes? Also, it was great how the previously on Star Trek Discovery was in Klingon. Yes, it was very good. That was very good. Um, uh, I would like some more aliens, please. This, yes. So part uh, this ship is very, very human centric. And that's cool because it is like the most diverse cast we've had ever in Star Trek by, by a lot, by enough that it's embarrassing. But uh, please give me like a Tellarite or an Andorian. I just need one of these for me, for me, please. Also, they literally had an alien on the ship and he got sent off for being too much of an alien. Like, not te- like it's a messier situation than that. I don't actually think like that's what the show is saying, but that also happened. Like, he's like, oh, yeah. you can't fit in Star... You can't fit in stuff. Like, you have to leave the human ship. And we already have two, like, defined Starfleet races that are, like, key to Starfleet that we get very little of in the world. And those are Andorians and Tellarites. And I love them both. And I would like both to have, like, a spot to just shine with a good character. If we get an Andorian uh, on the Discovery crew, I'm going to be so happy. Yeah. I'm Please sure right the wrongs of Enterprise being cancelled by putting a fucking Andorian on the ship. <laughs> Bring back Jeffrey Coops. No, you don't have to do that. He's too no. old now. Yep, he's dead as hell. I assume. And he's not dead. dead. He's not no, dead. No, I meant Tran's dead. Oh, yeah, Strand is dead, probably, sure. <laughs> Jeffrey Coombs is not dead. Make him yeah. an admiral or something. I don't know. Yep. Uh, he needs a, he needs a guest spot, but a small one. How about all of this turns out to be a simulation of <sighs> Commander Riker in the holodeck oh, watching how, Discovery? How about that chef? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. God, why did you do that? 
But yeah, um, I just want I just want more Star Trek. I want more episodes like Magic to make the Sanest Man go mad, which is that mud episode where he takes the one, over the ship. That is the one everyone shouts out as being just yes. a good episode that doesn't have a bunch of stuff going on. And they've said specifically they want to do more of that. Yeah, because it's so. incredible. Are you kidding me? It's incredible. <laughs> he comes out of a space well and kills Lorca 50 times. <laughs> so many times. Mud can't come back, though. He's done. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true. What if he comes back and he's like, wait, Lorca was already dead before I met him? Hang on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think Mud makes much sense without Lorca there to play off of him. Yeah. Uh, I miss Jason Isaacs. Yeah, no, me too. Do you ever think we'll ever get Prime Lorca? uh no no i don't think so either there's not enough space and like the way they talk about him now like throwing him off in order to bring that crew together seems like the what what they were doing there Um, yes and so i just don't think there's any like they wouldn't do anything interesting it'll just be a thing to happen Season three cliffhanger at the end of that season is totally Philip Georgiou coming back to like kill everyone, right? Hmm. Like obvious. So okay. So the two big ones are obviously Laurel and Ash do something again, and then Mary Georgia do something again. Both of these things yes. are like open threads. Uh, I mean, uh, I feel like Ash and Laurel are not just open threads, but are going concerns for the show going forward. That's my hope. I I don't know how much we'll go back to. Like, yeah. it could just be that they ignore Klingon for the next season and do something else. But what if also like just one of the episodes takes place on chronos and it's just those two. Oh, now that would be good yes <laughs> that would be very good yeah uh, they can do whatever they want they're not on television that's true they can do whatever they want oh yeah uh how hmm what is the cliffhanger for the next season because i bet i bet next season has a cliffhanger ending considering they're like thinking they're here now they don't have to end like bringing the enterprise on cut to credits gorn gone that's the big threat they introduce tholians they fight the tholians <laughs> they, they fight the fucking breen oh my yes give me tos breen do they have like more do they have like ridiculous old-timey refrigerator packs on them yeah so everyone thinks the breen are like a completely useless race that have to like supplant themselves with all this technology and that they need a lot of help and this is why you explain why everyone's terrified of the breen <laughs> I mean, the Breener, they're basically just, like, a knowable, like, space army, right? Like, they're really good at fighting. Well, yeah, but has it been established when they started that? Like, did, no, like when did no, they no, run no. into they're... the Breen and, like, oh, fuck, yeah. we need to be afraid they of literally, the They literally invent them in DS9 because they need a race that's not part of the Dominion to be afraid of. Yep. <laughs> the Breen. Yep. The Breen. The uh, Romulans. We can't see the Romulans. Yes, no, I know. You can't do the Romulans. That breaks canon. We go forward to the 24th century. That's the actual answer. Oh, they totally could. They have the technology. We go back and it's fucking old ass data. <laughs> no, they go back to the 21st century. Uh, not the 21st, the 22nd century and it's old ass data. <laughs> data? No, it's not the same thing and you know it. Uh, they go forward to the 24th century uh and hmm no that they won't they won't actually do any of that this is all hilarious speculation yeah they go like the voyager yeah there's just not there's just not not many things you can do to tie into pre-existing star trek given where it's at like there aren't that many things in tos that's like oh revisiting this would be interesting like there's the klingons we did that there's the romians you can't do that because of lore reasons and that's it that's all you got (laughs) I mean, like, it's, we need to flesh out the Andorians and Tellarites more. That is the the yep. number one obvious way to go. Uh, yeah. So let's hope that's what they do, because we both really want it. 
you know, put a Tellarite on that ship. Hell yes. Right. I guess yeah. that's it for the podcast. Uh, yes, that is it for the podcast. We will stop talking about Discovery until next year, basically. Uh, that's not true. We're covering books. So I guess we'll continue to talk about Discovery. We'll about, but, the, the book is out. So we are going to read uh, Lorca and Georgiou's team up. Yep. Prime Lorca. Prime Lorca. Yep. See what he's like. Just some prime Lorca looking like a snack. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> We're done here. Jackson, please give us the plugs no, for I the won't. final I time. I won't do it. <laughs> no, you're all on the internet. You can find me at Headfuls Off on Twitter. You can find the podcast we do at abnormalmapping.com. That is Abnormal Mapping. It is a game club. It is good. The best game club. Go there. The Amory Score is a podcast that Molly and I do. We read Coheed and Carabia comics. They are amazingly stupid. I need mayo.com. Get your mayo there. You can listen to Novel Not New, which is a visual novel game club uh, that you do with uh, Jen and Six. That is at abnormalmapping.com. Fireside Friends is at firesidefriends.net. That is a monthly show with Ryan, Alan, and Katie. And you can also... Uh, you can support us at Patreon, patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. There's a wide variety of benefits, including being on episodes. If you want to watch your favorite Star Trek episodes with us, we will do that. We sure um, will. For $1 a month, you will get access to a special patron-only podcast called The Great Gundam Project, which is me and Jackson watching all of Gundam from the beginning to now, two episodes at a time every week. It's a good time. It's a good time. If you want space politics but in a radically different context <laughs> yes please come to the great gundam project all right that's it oh I'm, I'm on i'm on twitter at em underscore being of course uh please follow me uh talk to me about star trek i'm always down to talk about star trek if someone gave me a dm about star trek and wanted me to explain things i'm like oh sorry for being annoying and like no if anyone wants to talk to me about star trek anytime i will i'll, I'll do it yep. at me yeah at me all right. That's it. We're done. Discovery's over until next season. Uh, I will talk about Discovery books. Come back in like a couple days to watch our episode, uh, listen to our episode about The Return, which is in a fantastic William Shatner penned book. Believe me, it's actually good. I promise. Also, that episode's like two hours long. I have to edit it and I'm really not looking it's forward so to it. so long. Uh, which means that we are on the hook to at some point in the next few months actually do the Calvin Vest thing we've been promising for ages. Yes, that's coming. That's coming. Until then, we will see you out there. Thank you.